Welcome to the great conversation where experiences and ideas are shared. If they're shared, they have the opportunity to create breakthroughs that can influence our personal and professional path to values. And in certain cases, in doing so, can change the world. And I, our special guest for today is Dylan Hayes. Dylan, great to have you with us. Hey, thank you, Ron. It's uh, great to be here. I love to be a part of the great conversation and security. You know, it's so funny that, uh, you know, we open up now with just the great conversation because we may be in different marketplaces. Mm. Uh, but you and I have been around this risk resilience security industry in a great conversation for quite some time. I think, uh, when's the first time you attended the first great conversation in security? Do you remember? Gosh, it feels like a decade ago. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shoot for that. It must have been. It, it has to be over 10 years ago. Yeah. And I got to tell you, when I uh, asked Dylan to take part in the Great Conversation Online community, um, you know, he jumped at it, which is fantastic because he's been a great contributor to our community for that 10 years. It's been a sprint for him. I remember... Uh, I remember having 300 people in the room in Seattle and speaking uh, on a particular subject and then introducing a panel or having a keynote speaker like a Mike Howard, a chief security officer of, Bo of uh, Microsoft or Dave Komandant from uh, Boeing. And uh, we'd always do Q&A after the keynote. And uh, I'd be looking right in the middle of the entire 300 people audience would be Dylan Hayes, usually like this, looking right at him, taking notes, and he'd be the, one of the first to ask a question on the Q&A. So you've been a student of this community and this industry during the whole time, and I really have appreciated your insights. Oh, thank you. Um, what a journey for Seattle Children's, and you know, I, I'd love to take our entire time together and talk about that journey. I think we'll do that at some other point because we're still in the middle of the pandemic. Yeah. Dylan is speaking to us from his home. I'm speaking to you from my office here at The Great Conversation in my home. Uh, and Dylan, I haven't caught, uh, really caught up with you. Tell me what life has been like as a, a leader in the security industry during a pandemic. Yeah, definitely there's uh, a little bit of a shift there for sure. Um, you know, I think the unique thing about my team is um, we're not always together anymore anyways. You know, I work at a remote facility typically during the work week, and, and uh, a lot of my guys on the ground are in different locations. And so kind of that remote workforce model has kind of been in place a little bit already. So there was a little bit of a shift there. Um, but not going into the office, it definitely feels like you're disconnected and blind a little bit as to what's going on. And so the, the communication that you're getting from your organization or from your folks on the ground really becomes vital as you're trying to manage kind of a situation uh, remotely with limited, limited access, limited information. And so um, one of the things that we do is we do daily huddles. We, we have always done daily huddles, but now there's a lot more catch up time as, as uh, focusing on what's changing in our environment. 
and what kind of uh, things do we need to be really focused on. So that's been really important is just staying connected with uh, daily huddles and um, finding well, how right, is, go ahead. Okay. I was gonna say just you know finding the right way to support your team um, when you know my guys they're kind of in the face of of the threat you know they're working at a healthcare facility or facilities and so um, you know there's a little bit of you know human emotion that you know that plays into that that these guys are potentially really on the front lines that they weren't really involved in before and so having that connection with each of the members of my team has become much more important to check in and see how they're doing see how their families are doing is there anything i can do to support them uh, that's just become so vital your officers are still on site is that correct yeah, the security ops team is uh, still on site and, um, you know, you have to have uh, your, your security process and procedures in place, even though they've changed dramatically with the level of screening that's taking place, you know, their role is probably even more critical today. Um, uh, hospitals are notorious uh, as being, I'll call it for lack of a better term, open campuses. There's a certain amount of security credentialing going on, but still fairly open campus. How has that changed during the pandemic? I'd say for us, it really hasn't because Children's has always been a model of really a secure campus and a safe campus. And so we've always implemented screening at our um, you know, primary sites, whether it's a research facility or our healthcare facility. Um, I'd say there's been an uptick in a lot of more of our remote locations that really didn't have that level of screening in place. But uh, for us, it hasn't been a major shift. It's just been, how are we doing it a little bit differently? And tell me about that difference. Uh, there's lots of talk out there in hospitals about uh, uh, other hospitals uh, where the officers have actually taken on the role of helping to screen, if you will, that could be a matter of a survey, or it could be a uh, skin temperature check. Uh, what, what's going on at Children's? What have you done that's different at the perimeter? You know, I, I would have to say, you know, traditionally, that is one of the roles that we've played. You know, when, when it's flu season, you know, the officers are, are asking screening questions around the flu to help ensure that we're not, you know, allowing folks who may be sick to come into the facility. But this time around, um, because we're healthcare, uh, we've deployed uh, special teams, you know, oftentimes nursing teams actually to the perimeter of our organization. So we've shut down a number of entrances and really just created a very specific locations that staff and visitors can enter. And um, everyone is getting screened as they come into to the facility for the day. They're getting their temperature taken. They're getting a sticker for the day. And so um, security's role is really to just help and and answer questions and do our standard screening process of right. ensuring our visitors are connected to the right, um, you know, either business unit or patient area. Yeah. But uh, what we're seeing is medical teams deployed to the perimeter, sometimes outside the facility, sometimes just inside the facility uh, for that level of screening. Wow, okay. so. You're not doing the skin temp, uh, a lot of talk around skin temp by uh, unqualified medical professionals. For example, I was at my eye doctor's the other day, had a receptionist, you know, put 
one of those uh, thermometers against my forehead, but not medically trained. Um, so you have medically trained people doing those temperatures, right? Are they doing it with handheld units? Yeah, they've been doing it with the handheld units. I feel like that's probably the one of the quickest things that they can do to, you know, take an accurate measurement right. as well as the throughput that's needed. Yeah. And that temperature is done after showing uh, the credential or as a visitor logging in at the, the desk? Uh, what, what, what's the protocol there? Is it afterwards or before? It is really your door into the facility is, is your screening checkpoint. Okay. Okay. And you're doing that for employees as well? Yes. What's the protocol if it's shown to be a temperature? There's a temperature. What's, what's the protocol then? You know, honestly, I don't know what the protocol is with, the, with what the temperature is, but I can tell you we have a, we have a dedicated medical team assigned to, to help answer those questions. Um, and they're very sensitive to that. You know, we, we post a lot of the numbers of folks that we've actually tested for COVID and uh, the staff as well as our, as our patients. So we're very clear as to uh, yeah. what our numbers are, but um I think that we are definitely erring on the side of safety and um, they will take the appropriate action there. We always do. We always err on the side of safety, especially with some of the sick kids we're trying to protect. Well, I know in the business community, they're trying to figure out, okay, great. We just measured for temp. The guy's got a temperature. What do I do with him now? Right? Yeah. The whole idea is, do I send him home? Do, uh, uh, do I put him in another room and, you know, because he just went jogging and his temperature's a little higher or it's been a hot day in Seattle. So so uh, I was wondering how that's, that protocol looks like, but we'll touch base with you later maybe when you get more information on that because I'm kind of curious. How has, I know you get deeply involved, you're part of the CISOs team, deeply involved in the security technology framework uh, at Children's uh, and, uh, and not necessarily in the protocols. Tell me how the security technology is performing for you in this period of time and what gaps you're seeing if this pandemic situation becomes more persistent over time. What are the gaps you're seeing that you're realizing you're going to have to fill? You know, where I think we're really at, you know, we're leveraging technology to you know, either live monitor what's going on or even playback oftentimes, you know, what's taken place. I think with any type of, um, you know, situation we've faced in the past where someone may have, you know, had contact or infected another person, it, it becomes really serious. And we try and figure out at that point, you know, who, has the, who have they been in contact with? So this, this level of contact tracing that, you know, I think the, the country or the world is really scrambling, trying to resolve. I think that's really, you know, going to be valuable in the, in the future. It'll be interesting to see how well that works. Um, you know, it's gonna take a long time to get this built, how well that works, you know, indoors versus outside. And so there's, there's a lot of infrastructure that needs to be put in place. But I feel like that is a lot of what our technology is being focused on is, is looking at that. In addition, you know, we're brought to the front and the forefront of, of the response, which is kind of exciting and fun um, with technology. So we're talking about funneling, you know, traffic and locking down entrances. We're talking about bringing our our employees to to work, you know, via shuttles or their cars or or the bus. And how do we route that traffic that's coming here 
and do our best to maintain and follow the guidelines being provided to us by you know either the World Health Organization or the CDC or even just our, our state governor and so um, we're we're you know just just today in fact you know we're, we're asked to um, you know, change some of our programming around to allow more people to park on site. So it's very fluid. And so we need to be ready to be um, capable of, of leveraging our technology and changing it to meet the, the changing demands of the business on a day-to-day -day business, and sometimes multiple times throughout the day. There's a lot of general rules we're putting in place. And in addition to that, we're creating a lot of exceptions to those rules as well. And so we have to be flexible in how we solve those problems. Well, I find this fascinating, especially with some unique requirements that uh, that a hospital has, especially with privacy laws and HIPAA and so forth. So, so in the contact tracing area, um, how do you do that and leverage today's security technology? Are you going to start tying? Uh, physical health records to the identity card? Are you going to start using the access card with an RFID chip to actually know the movements of an employee in case it turns out that they are sick? What are you thinking right now you'll be doing in the future? No, I think it's a good question. Like, How do we want to tackle this? And what do we really want to focus on? Um, because either way, you're going to have to leverage, you know, some new technology to do that. And where do you want to change either your, your potential infrastructure or do you, what, what do you want to layer on top of that? And so, you know, I always like to try and layer something on top of what we've already done. Um, you know, let's say, you know, deploying new access cards. That's an option that's, you know, it's a big endeavor. And does that get us what we need and where, you know, where we want to go ultimately? Possibly. Um, but we're also looking at other means of doing that as well. You know, and I think it'll be important to really evaluate what comes out on the forefront as far as contact tracing um, really for the community and leveraging that inside and not really creating our own standalone uh, problem that we've solved internally that then can't interface outside of there. And so I think that's just something for us to monitor. What, what I really see us immediately evaluating and jumping to is leveraging, I think, uh, camera analytics and the ability to trace once we know a uh, someone who's maybe uh, you know infected or even contaminated again we have lots of different scenarios where this can play into and so if i can then leverage an analytic to help me figure out okay where was this person who did they come in contact with and tie that back to other systems at their checkpoint so we can identify them then that's really um, helpful it, you know it's a challenge you know our patients are kids and so as kids you know they have the documentation as their medical record right but we're not you know they're they're pretty much safe for the most part you know in oftentimes in an inpatient room but it's really the staff and the visitors and, and the families that are coming who are the ones who um, we don't have a lot of information necessarily on and so we we need to figure out how we gather that and you know luckily for us you know we have an access control system we have a visitor management system but we need to figure out how do we really get the data the moment they come onto site? So if we don't have a policy today about everybody must uh, identify, either register with a visitor management or swipe an access card, you know, upon entry, then, you know, that's something that we have to start looking at evaluating because if we don't have the information, then we're not going to be able to do anything with it. So the, we're on the cusp here. Again, another inflection point in our industry and for you in healthcare, and that is, um, 
we're going to have to figure out identity management, period. And we've got to recognize for the businesses of the world, they have to recognize that from a security point of view, sickness is like a weapon. We've got to keep it out of the building and, uh, and because it affects other people's lives and also the viability of the business. So it would be great to check with you every so often to see how you're progressing in your unique HIPAA rules and so forth in this area uh, because we're going to need some real wisdom here going forward because we're going to have to do those things. How do we navigate the privacy and identity issues and so forth? Yeah, you know, honestly, I think our industry is in a, you know, a really unique time right now with, um, with looking at, you know, video and facial recognition and, you know, really how do we protect individuals? Um, and at the same time, how do we accomplish a lot of security and safety goals and initiatives? And so there has to be a blend here. You know, we leverage technology today uh, with our own personal devices. And we're very comfortable with, you know, biometrics and facial scanning and iris scanning. And yet we're really hesitant and worried about to do doing that, you know, other places, even though we're being monitored on cameras. Um, uh, so at some point, you know, we have to figure out as a society, are we going to, are we willing to give up a little bit in order to better protect us? And I think that's one of the, the questions we'll be facing overall. Absolutely. Uh, Dylan, again, as part of the great conversation community, uh, again, appreciate all the lessons learned you bring to the table, as well as being a, a, uh, uh, a great learner too, um, in the feedback loop between all of us in the community. Um, but as I often say, uh, it's people like you who invite people to the round table called The Great Conversation uh, uh, to be part of this, uh, this community. Uh, what are two or three people that come to mind that I should be talking to next? You know, I think um, I don't necessarily have a specific name, but I, I definitely think there's some specific maybe groups that we need to really invite in again you know looking at what is our overall um what is our overall goal of what we're trying to achieve together you know for for us one of the things that we focus on is safety and security and so uh, at the end of the day i think we recognize a lot of this comes back to information and then what do we do with that information so um maybe we need to bring in some you know big data providers or analysts we need to bring in some um we need to bring some cyber folks for for the protection of this information uh, we need to bring some new and innovative companies out there, whoever's on the forefront of evolving technology or layering that onto what's already existing for us to work with. Um, how can we start to become more efficient? How do we become so really open even with a lot of our, our technology and our goals that we can start to just interface them together, layer on the things to make things uh, you know, much more efficient and optimized. So. Um, those are the kind of groups that I think we need to bring together, you know, privacy, security, you know, big data folks, you know, information and how, how do we leverage that information? And I think a lot of analytics and, and, you know, folks on the cutting edge as to how to put all this stuff together. You got it. I uh, absolutely agree with you. As you know, when we were in Florida at the last physical Congress of the Great Conversation, we talked a lot about uh, developing an intelligent framework, which included big data analytics. So uh, I promise you, we will bring some uh, leading edge thinkers in that space. 
And uh, for now, for those of you who have uh, joined us today, uh, be aware that you can also look at other conversations going to sageconversations.com uh, to get a list of uh, uh, upcoming uh, conversations we'll have in the future. Dylan, thanks again.